Okay, again, welcome everyone to our Parshas Kedoshim class. As we said, we are going to try to touch on themes that are in the Parsha, in our Perkeavos, in Sersa Omer, and in Yane de Yomet Yom Ha'atzmot. So today, our shir is dedicated by Shandy Shapiro, Le'iloi Nishmas, her mother, Sarah Gitzel of Moshe, whose Yarset is Friday, hey, ear. By Aliza Leichtang, Lila Nishmas, her father, Yitzhak Aryeh ben Menachem Mendel, and Dalit Eir. And Hani Fleischacher would like to dedicate today's learning. <laughs> That's cute. To Esther in honor of Teacher's Week. I don't see these things usually because Tanya puts them on. <laughs> okay. Today's class is called Search for Context. It's good advice. Okay. Think about it, guys. Let's do a thought experiment before we get into all our sources and all our guidelines from Torah and Avos or, and, uh, and, and Kabbalistically, the, you know, think about how, think about, don't think about how much, think about one incident in your life. Either somebody made an assessment, made an assumption about you without context of what was really going on. They didn't really understand the situation and they made an assumption. You had to justify yourself, you explain yourself. And what about if Hashem, we did that to someone else? What emotion comes up when somebody's the victim of or the perpetrator of this sort of making assumptions, making judgments, assuming that the story is as we think it is, and then and having other people have to sort of, you know, um, deal with that. How does it feel? If you're the victim, how does it feel? Angry. You're angry. Anger is the right. And what, what else? Revenge. Hurt. Revenge. Frustrated. Revenge. Why? Why are you angry, hurt, and frustrated? You feel that now you are expected or you have this responsibility to justify yourself to someone else who misunderstood who you are. When we get into these type of things, we're really getting to very sacred space. A person takes their character very seriously. And they don't like to have their character um, misjudged. Just because somebody does one thing doesn't mean their entire character is faulty or flawed. So we get very offended because we're, we feel that we are invisible. And somebody else is, what's the, what's the mida of the person who does it? What bad mida causes someone to do that? Jealousy. Either jealousy, could be. Judging, judging others. Where does that come from? Gaiva. Yeah, that's right. So we're dealing with two big um, emotions here, the two biggies. Gaiva, anger. I mean, arrogance and anger, two really big ones. Okay. Of course, they're all deeply embedded in survivor mode, obviously. And that's what we always talk about. If a person doesn't see the context that we're all part of a much bigger story, and most of us don't even get to select almost anything about ourselves in our whole life. <laughs> Think about it, right? We've done this exercise. Ask your kids to do this. Ask your students to do this. Ask your friends to do this. Make a list of every single thing in your life that was pre-selected for you and you didn't even get to choose. What are they? Your body, your parents, your generation, your children, your temperament, how your mind works, your emotional intelligence, the way you think, okay, what you what you hear and see, and what you're like oblivious to. 
some people just hear and see music. They hear and see colors. Other people totally oblivious. So first of all, we didn't really design ourselves. We get dropped into a moment in history, part of a much bigger story that's unfolding all around us, started way before us, going way after us, much bigger than us. And then we are, we have, we are, you know, one, we are a custom made individual. All right. We barely understand ourselves. But knowing all our strengths and weaknesses and what we have to work with and what we don't have to work with, we, most people feel that they have you know, value and they should be proud of themselves. Their character is that they're doing the best they can with the, with the situation at hand, with what they've been given and what they're dealing with. And then for someone else to make a unilateral assumption about them is very infuriating because they're, that person is tampering or trampling rather in on, onto a very sacred space. Okay, so far so good. So how do we solve this? How do we avoid this ever happening? Is simple, search for context. Okay, so let's start out. Perke Avos, before we get into the Parsha. Perek Aleph, Mishnah 6. Yeshua ben Prach, Yeb Anatayar Beili Kiblu Mehem, Yeshua ben Prach Omer. I say, look Rav, make yourself some mentor. And really invest, invest in, acquire a friend, really work hard to get a good friend. Now let's watch these words carefully. What do those words simply mean in shop? Have they done? Judge. So you're assessing because everybody's always assessing. At call ha'adam. At call ha'adam. It does not mean every person at all. It does not mean every person. It doesn't say call adam. That is not an accurate translation. Call ha'adam, simple. Judge the whole person with a, you know, with the first zuchot, for merit, assume the best. Meaning this is straight up in Perkei Avos, always look for context. Judge the whole person. Don't get triggered by one particular aspect of their personality. So usually something, you know, that they don't have, a skill they don't have or a strength they don't have or something they do have. So first of all, zoom out and look at the whole person. Now that in and of itself, okay, looking at the whole person is a learned skill. Some people have an easier time because they're very emotionally intelligent and they pick up cues. Not everybody is designed like that. Some people have to be bashed over the head to pick up a cue, okay? That is not their choice. It's how they were designed. I know people personally that they're unaware, not just of what they're feeling. They don't even know that their leg is swollen out three times. They, oh, I didn't realize that. When did that happen? They're not aware of if they're hungry. They're not aware food doesn't taste good. Like they don't, they're aware of everything. This is how it is. And then there are certain people that are hyper aware, super tasters. The secret weapon is a super taste. She's like, I detect, I detect a little bit. There could be like one microgram of paprika. I detect <laughs> there are people that are, that are super aware of stuff. Okay. So the point is simply to avoid a lot of trouble. We're in Zerazoma, we're in character development, we're in Parsha's Kedosh, which directly talks about this. Zoom out. Okay, that's number one. Okay, let's go into the parsha. Okay. Yes, dear. Why not say don't judge anybody? Because we all. It's a very good question. Um, because it, the reality is, we're always assessing people because we have to know how to interact with them. Please repeat the question. Why does it just? Why doesn't it just say don't judge anyone? And the answer is, 
judging means assessing. We're always trying to kind of like put a person in a category so we know what to do with them. We, we're always trying. We that's how we operate. We'd like to yeah. ask what's your name. What do what you, you do? Basically saying, how do I relate to you? On what basis do we have any common ground? Right? What what could be our relationship? So it's always like that. But when when you see a person and you want to know how you should interact with them. So the answer is, well, there's a whole person here. Okay. Yeah. First of all, does the Torah, it's a good question. Does the Torah say don't judge another person? First of all, that's obvious, right? Don't judge your friend until you're standing in his shoes. Okay, you come to his place. So judging means, yes, it's true. Um, don't make a, you know, like a real judge where you make a conclusion that this is, you know, the, the story, whether the person is guilty or not guilty, don't make conclusive decisions, don't be decisive. Here, I don't think it's saying don't be decisive. It's saying in your general interaction, when you kind of assess a human being, take the whole picture into consideration. Esther, I always, Esther. <clears throat> Assessing, yeah, we all have to. We all have to, every interview, Every time you meet someone, if you think, could I be friends with this person? You know, anytime you assess a person, which we all have to do, obviously, it's not in an iron ra. Right. Okay. Um, Esther, yeah. I always thought that it was, Esther, can you hear me? Yes, yes I hear I you. I always thought that it was part of our Tselem Elohim because we're like Hashem. So we're obviously, and we always call Hashem like the true judge. So Diana MS, and we, so we're also judges. So okay. that's why it has to tell us how to judge, how to judge favorably, Very because we're going to be judging. You're in a you're in an interesting territory, Afa, because you know where it says Mahu Afata? It only refers to my grandfather's whole business, the positive stuff, which is in Hashem is Racham, you be Racham, Hashem is Hanan. It never says Mahu Dayan, Afata Dayan, Mahu Shofe. No, 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 it never says like that. Okay. Mahu Kanai, Afata Kanai, it doesn't do that. Only in Vihafta are we supposed to emulate Hashem. Now we do have a mitzvah to appoint judges. And there's an endless amount of rules relating to judges that are designed to make sure that they don't get biased and they do take the whole picture into consideration. Okay, wait, let's go further. Let's just set out some of the psukim. These are certainly not all the psukim, but some of the sources in Torah about this subject. So number two, spiritual self-care. Lo tekal el simple. You practically... You know, without the Rashi, would you have understood what the message is here? Do not curse a deaf person. What, what, think about it. Does a deaf person hear you? So what's what's really going on here? Who's it for? Okay, and also Rashi says it's Homer. If you can't curse a deaf person, Homer, you can't curse anybody else, right? They can't even hear you. So you can look at the Rashi, but Rashi says here, you can't even curse the deaf. Okay, why doesn't the scripture use more general expression? It's an analogy. Okay, he who cannot hear you, you're, you cannot curse, therefore, and he cannot feel he cannot feel aggrieved. Okay, so why can't you curse him? Why can't you curse him? He can't, doesn't have an effect on him. He doesn't even know what you said because he's a human being. That's what she says, because he's a living person, because he's a human being. So what does this mean? That we don't curse a human being for whose sake? yourself ultimately it's for yourself you don't want to be the kind of person um who is nasty has an iron ra who's jealous who hates people who wants the worst for people look at rabbeinu bachaya you could read it yourself okay but i just highlighted 
all of these directives in this parsha, many in this parsha, and all these are, are designed to improve a person's basic character traits and to ensure that he will not become the victim of, let's add some words, his own or her own bad and addictive habits. We are the victim of our bad habits. We are the victim of our unevolved character. We are the victim of our own lack of self-awareness. Okay, about what? About not just our limitations, but everyone else's limitations and what we really are here, what we can really do here. We are ultimate victims. All of the mitzvahs, ben adam lechaveru and ben adam lemakom, are entirely for one purpose and one purpose only, which is our own character development. Why are we supposed to de develop our character? It's very important. Is it a game? Hashem puts us in the world. Hey, you're here. I was bored one day, so I created everybody, and I'm going to give you a bunch of mitzvahs. I'm going to give you this little devil that wants you to do the bad things. I'm going to give you this little angel that wants you to do the good things, and then you're going to struggle, and then you're going to try to be good, and you're going to break your bad character traits, and then if you win, I give you a reward, maybe, and if you don't, beware. I zap you. Is that what the whole thing is? Obviously not. So, can't be. So, what is it? Why are we improving our character? This goes back to a fundamental idea, which I, we spoke about in the past. I should have linked it. I don't want to get into it in depth, but I think about it. What is, and I'll give you a hint, what is the reason that we, evolve, we, we work on our character? We're learning Hilchos Deus now, the laws of temperaments, the laws of character. We're doing that every Tuesday night. Why is it so important that a person develop their character? Where did it come from? What's it, what, what, what is it part of? The soul. The soul. And, and so we are trying to get back to the potential. Our soul came to this earth from Hashem. So something to do with the neshama and by ref refining our character. Could you repeat that? What has something, something to do with the neshama and by refining our neshama, it allows us to get back to Hashem. What do we mean by that? Can I make a suggestion? Of it, Shemaim, what is the, yeah. You Does ahead. it come back to Sheshus Mebrashus and Hashem saying Nasa Adam? Of course it has to do that with- was part of the plan. Yeah, it's true. But what is working on our character specifically? What? Why is it such a value? Okay, very nice. We we give birth to ourselves. But what's the goal of it all in the long run? It helps with their connectivity. How does it help with their connectivity? So we learned, um, we learned that we learned that there are our neshama, which you brought up, which we compare often to the umbilical cord. Okay is this spiritual force that we, it is up to us to either increase or open or expand or decrease until it shrivels up. Ramam says this in 351 of Mar And what happens is through this, this is a force that God has broken put in the world called the Nishama or Nishima or divine exhale, which means the, the divine exhale really means that Hashem's ideas, Hashem's self, Hashem's self-expression can reach us and influence the way we think. Mm -hmm. However, the conditions are that a person who is beset with their survivor mode, fears and insecurities leading to anger and jealousy and hatred and bickering and fighting and comp competition can, is, is getting in the way of that flow of divine ideas 
Hashem's own mind, Hashem's thoughts influencing the way we see the world. The only way to allow for that flow to open, to be, to be, to be, you know, available to us is to make sure we are operating within the context, right? Within the context of a proper Matthias, meaning we see, we're a, making a clean, which means we see ourselves. Not so much simple, we're going back to survivor creator, Sim not so much as helpless creatures alone in a big world that have to fend for themselves and then all the bad meters come into play. Rather, we see ourselves as part of a kind of sparkle, channeling Hashem self-expression and that automatically helps us eliminate all of those fears and the negative attitudes that we tend to otherwise have because we say, wait a minute, like we said before, we didn't create ourselves. We didn't design ourselves. We're not in charge of the whole world. We only have what we can do. We only have the resources we've been given. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not telling us to fix this whole world. Hashem just wants us to channel in our own way the best we could do. Nobody's a threat to me. Nobody's getting in the way of my pranasa. Hashem can send pranasa a trillion ways. Nobody's getting in the way of my shidduch. Nobody's getting in the way of anything because Hashem has can open doors for me. Nobody's a threat to me. That concept, nobody is a threat to me. Meaning that, yes, somebody might be a threat to my physical security. It is true. If a person lives in a crime-ridden area. But nobody is a threat to my ability to exist and see myself and identify myself as the channel through which the Baruch Hu speaks in whatever situation it is. Nobody's a threat to me. I, I know that I live in a world that I'm seen. I am directly, I am directly, um, um, in the focus of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. not only that, there's this is what Avram introduced, Hashkacha, and therefore I can eliminate, I can opt out of all of those fears that lead to the, you know, to the terrible things. In other words, what we're saying is that working on our character is really within the context of who I really am, and once we can opt out of all that negativity, those afflictive states of mind, we open the flow, and all, then we could really learn. And then we could really see ourselves accurately. And then we could really work on ourselves. And there is, and this is called Rambam's, according to Rambam, this is perfection. Perfection is knowing HaKadosh Baruch Hu, knowing our relations with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and therefore, and therefore being able to be free to operate in a place of security and calm and trust, which then really is the, is, is you know, the alternative to the other, option and of course changes everything about our lives so really doing these things working on midos again you can't work on a mida you can but that's not the most direct way to go the, the most direct way to go is zooming out remembering the big picture and then it's easy to opt out of the bad mida so here so um look what he says look at the end of Rabbeinu Bahaya. he says that we are saving ourselves Right, we just said that we are saving ourselves from bad character, addictive habits, and all we need to do is what says in Avos to one. Remember what's above you. Remember what you're part of. It's not so much judging as somebody scrutinizing you, but you are known. You are seen, and Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants something from us. We're not here because Hashem is bored. We're here because Hashem is. It's, we're not getting into the whole area of Ratzon now. Want design the world that that he allows his own ratzon to be channeled through people. And each person decides to what degree they are going to be that channel. Yeah. Just to 
would you say that we um, part of a collective soul? Of course. And so that each one of us is here. Yes. So, so yeah, so we are part of a collective soul. Let's add to the muscle of the umbilical cord, okay? Just to remind you, you know, we learned that a Kodesh Baruch Hu created the world, but we know on the second day, Hashem created the Shamayim, which is all the Malachim and all of the spiritual forces. And then a Kodesh Baruch Hu began to create the world, you know, the world, the earth, and then, you know, um, you know, the vegetation and the animals and eventually people. The mashal, a mashal, for the shamayim, okay, is the placenta. In other words, the umbilical cord is a small, you know, it's a vessel that allows for a small, slow trickle of nutrients and oxygen and all those type of things into the baby. Imagine that the, the, the think about the placenta as the reservoir for so much you know, of the blood and all the, and the nutrients in the blood, the oxygen blood, all that, that all doesn't dump into the baby in one second, okay? It's carefully measured. In fact, it changes every day, the content of what specifically enters the baby. There is a whole realm called the Shamayim of forces that a Kaddish Baruch Hu, the Sphiros, by the way, that Hashem has created through which he runs the world and little bits of different forces that come to the world at different times for different people for what they need at that moment. But there's a huge reservoir. Now, every single human being, imagine a million fetuses, a trillion fetuses, each one with their own umbilical cord. Everybody's drawing from the same reservoir of forces, the Shamayim, okay? <laughs> but everybody gets something different at different times, okay? And um, that Shamayim is like a, what is also referred to as like the collective Neshama of, of, of everyone. Particularly, Amishol has a special concept of a collective Neshama. And that means that much of a Kodesh Baruch Hu's design and Ratzon sort of is created. It, and, and, and from that, and, and through those vessels that Hashem created, through those forces, we receive what we receive. And everybody's plugged into those forces, but everybody's get, getting different things. By the way, when a baby is born, the placenta is born too. When a person is born into the next dimension, which means when a person passes through the kever, which is the same word as cervix, kever in the Mishnah, the birth canal. When a person passes through the kever, the grave, which is really a birth canal, and enters the next dimension, they don't need the shemaim and all that stuff anymore. They don't need the malachim anymore. They're, that's all part of the functioning of the lower worlds. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, anyway, now let's go into Vayikra, go into the Parsha. So we already learned that number one, judge the whole person. The second thing we learned is from Rabbeinu Bahayan and that, that this halacha, don't curse a deaf person, is a general precept that it's all about us. It's for us to develop ourselves. Okay, so um, we want to, you know, zoom out, never be too, let's be, be very wary of assumptions because it makes us better people when we have our large, when our, our capacity to be inclusive and understanding and patient is increased and enlarged. And how do we do that? By looking for context. Okay, so here is two halachas. Don't hate your brother in your heart. Rather, give them rebuke, reprove them. But don't sin. Don't do not do not incur guilt. Now, there's so many halachas about this. Don't make them embarrassed when you reprove them. Don't you're only allowed to give them to someone who's going to listen. 
There's all sorts of halachas here. But don't hate someone in your heart. Don't repress hatred. Why? What is hatred? What is anger? Who does it hurt the most? Anger is a poison that we drink to get revenge on someone else, right? So don't hate someone in your heart. He's saying this is like psychology 101. Don't repress hatred and anger. So number one, speak about it, but don't do it in a way that you're gonna get into more sins. So we, this is right away saying, say to someone, hey, I'm really hurt. It literally says that, like modern psychology. Say, talk to the person, say, I feel really hurt what, for, about what you just did. Okay, don't walk around repressing anger, speak to someone, but don't make that lead you to a greater sin. That now you're going to speak Lashon Hara, that you embarrass them, and then maybe they'll get so furious at you, they'll even get defensive and do worse things. Okay, Lo Sikom, Lo do not bear grudges, do not nurse a grudge, do not take revenge to um, against your, your co co. Uh, your um, members of your people, and then via haftal, there's tons written on this. But what, we, what we're gonna focus on is um, this concept of anger, hate, rage, and, you know, and, and revenge that can really destroy a person's life. So first of all, uh, let's say somebody's very upset at someone else, but look what the, the Shalah says, you are to rebuke only those people who are intelligent enough to realize that you have their best interests at heart and who will love you for it. Shlomo says in Mishle, don't do not rebuke a fool. But wait a second. So let's say somebody was a fool and they really annoyed you and did something very inconsiderate, but they're such a fool that it's not worth talking to them. So what happens? So then do you repress the hatred in your heart? What is your alternative? You can't talk to them. What's the alternative? You have to understand that. You have to let it go. How does one let it go? You search for context. This person does not have it within them, okay? Right? How do you let it go? One of the key ways of letting it go is you search for context. You say, does this person even have it in them to be more considerate? Does this person even have it in them to think two steps ahead and realize what their words are going to do? Maybe they don't have it in them, yeah. Think of it as an operating system. You have a computer that's running Windows, whatever, yeah, you know, point two, and you're trying to communicate on Windows 11. It doesn't work. Correct. No exactly. One of the ways, exactly. One of the ways that we eliminate anger when we can't speak about it to the person is we search for context. We're going to get granular about how one searches for context. Searching means is, is looking into the person saying, can I think, do I know this person at all? Does this person even have the capacity to be smarter than than what you know than what they just did indicates or more sensitive all right now look at the archa sadikim these are all starting from the world of musr okay you could read this yourself all right concerning the quality of hatred it is a firm prohibition you shall not hate your brother in your heart so with this verse we have been warned to remove from our souls the trait of hatred this trait causes many sins let's look at some of the sins okay that are all bad for our character. When we hate someone else, we don't figure out a way to um, understand that it's pointless to, now there are many, well, let me just say something. Somebody really hurt another person. Somebody abused a person. Somebody really went ahead and harmed another person, okay? There, it is legitimate in some cases to really hate a person and it is legitimate to take them to court 
And there is no real healing without justice in many, many cases. There has to be justice. That's legitimate. We believe in justice. And, um, and uh, in extreme circumstances, we, we, it is not good advice to tell a person, forgive and forget. It is better to take the perpetrator you know, to, uh, into account, into, um, or to make the perpetrator accountable. That, that is very much part of Judaism. But there are so many cases in real life that are not so extreme where somebody was just mean, inconsiderate, stupid, okay, um, triggered by their own mishigas, undeveloped, immature, bad behavior, you know, just a, something, and we're annoyed at them, and there is no point to talk to them. A lot of kids, okay, <laughs> till their brains grow in, as they say, okay, or you have to find the right way to talk to them. So then if a person still walks around really agitated, because someone else is not developed enough. I'm agitated because someone else did not work on their midos. When we get up there, we're never going to be asked why someone else didn't work on their midos, okay? So to walk around agitated that someone else isn't what we wanted them to be by this time or expected them to be or assumed they would be is a little stupid. And then it leads to gossip, okay? So we start speaking Lashon Hara, okay? We seek evil, we desire evil to happen to persons, so we get ayin ra, we rejoice at misfortune. Do you know the German word for rejoicing at someone else's misfortune? There is a German word, only the Germans have a word for rejoicing at someone else's misfortune. Yeah, very close. Schadenfreude. I mean, so happy that someone else is miserable. Okay. So um now tries to harm the other person seeks vengeance upon them nurses a grudge against them has no pity upon them even when they are in great distress because of his hatred he slanders all the good deeds like it really makes the the the, the hater into a horrible person so look at our chasadikim 1210 not only does it make you into a, a horrible person it makes you into a stupid person honestly being angry cast and being having just being infuriated that someone else's weaknesses or shortcomings makes a person dumb because they cannot be wise because wrath causes reason to flee from your mind. We, I don't know about you all, I can true confessions admit that I have had temper tantrums that you can't think straight and you say things that you regret and you say things that aren't even true. You could lie, you can exaggerate, you can insult, you could be super mean and there's no wisdom in it. And the words are not prompted by intelligence. And we know that a person could be so angry that they put their own sense of being offended so, you know, so much into focus that they don't even think about God. They can do all sorts of things that are, that are really, uh, that they are tantamount to what the, they say about Zara, but it means that there's no God in the picture. The angry man bars himself from all corrections and rebukes. Can't hear Musser. Okay, does not feel free to admit their errors or shortcoming. Okay, uh, people are scared to tell the person that they did something wrong because there's going to be a whole meltdown. They will not receive correction because of their anger. They do not acquire that in general, the angry man does not require any good quality until he first removes his anger from his heart. Okay, so he cannot receive rebuke, he cannot administer rebuke, etc. etc. Okay. Tries to talk to him nicely, tell him, bring back your carbon. Don't worry, you have a second chance. Right. So angry at the self. 
So that we could, the, you know, we could talk about this, the root cause of anger and um, the root cause, you know, and, and hating other people. And, um, and you, you know, people can work it out for many, try to work it out of themselves for many, many years. Okay. But a very effective strategy. All right. Again, remembering the bigger picture, search for context. The first thing we have to remember when we zoom out, this is getting into the spheres, Chesed and Gabura comes in. So we're going to doing our spheres on Mondays, 1 p.m. First of all, again, nobody has as their agenda to be a loser, a failure, and somebody that everybody else doesn't want to be around. That never is somebody's agenda. Okay. People then dig into those things because they're they're stuck. So first of all, each person, as we said before, gets dropped into a moment in history into certain circumstances that they never chose. And we have to assume everybody is trying to do the best with what they can. And there's a million forces coming at people and, 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 and um, all sorts of experiences and demands and who knows what that person's coping mechanisms are. So first of all, zoom out. Nobody wants to be a failure. Nobody wants to be a jerk in everybody else's eyes. Okay, that's just not how it is. We don't want to. Okay, so when a person, so that's number one, we zoom out, we search for context. So first of all, we say, we don't even know who this person is. And then we go to the next step. The likelihood is that whatever shortcoming they have, for whatever reason, they don't have the kalim to do better. They don't have this infrastructure to do better. For whatever reason it is, maybe they just haven't, realize that they it feels good to um, improve their character. Maybe they're in a culture that it's not a priority. Maybe it's, they're just, you know, they're, they're very impulsive. Maybe they're just triggered by, you know, emotions. Maybe they are even PST, PTSD responding to other triggers, who knows? But if somebody is not able to be nice or be considerate or be thoughtful, it generally means they don't have the infrastructure, the kalim strong enough to do it. And all of us are learning about building the Kalim, Gavura, and all of these things. Here's an incredible story from Ravel Hanan Wasserman. Ravel Hanan Wasserman was a Talmud, the Talmud of the Chafetz Chaim. You see where it says the Rosh Hashiva Baranovich, who came to the United States in the 30s, he stayed in my grandfather's house. This is not a story about that, but I will digress for a second. Ravel Hanan Wasserman is the Chafetz Chaim's primary student. My grandfather had had been by the Chavetz Chaim for a weekend, had many, many famous stories of that short weekend with the Chavetz Chaim. And then later when my grandfather was in Baltimore, Vilchan Wasserman came, he actually slept in my father's bed. It was the late thirties, my father was five years old. And my, my father always told me how it was the late thirties, he had come to America to raise money for the Yeshiva Mbranovich and he didn't do very well. They were, he did not experience an overwhelming amount of generosity at the time, and he had his yeshiva to worry about, and the winds of change were, were, were very strong already in Europe, and things were dangerous, and there's a lot of stress and worry on his head, and I remember my father often told me that his father said, come, I want to show you how a tzaddik who has a moon and a kaddish baruch who sleeps, and he looked in the room, and he said, Avelchanan was sleeping with his hands like this, like a little child, peacefully, and he said that that's part of context. So you're, it's not your world. You don't you know you don't get totally um, overwhelmed and 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 destroyed by the fact that things aren't working out as you plan. It's Hashem's world, and that's the big picture. So look at this unbelievable story. By the way, 
and something unbelievable. When Rav Elchanan Wasserman, another time, was in America, when he he when he was here, he um, Baranovich, his city was was conquered by the Nazis, and his yeshiva was now conquered by the Nazis, and he knew that the Nazis were going to execute everyone in the yeshiva, and he went back to Baranovich to go to go down with the ship, and. Before they, the Nazis gathered all the Bachram and um, they were ready, they were about to slaughter them all. And Rohan Wasserman gave a little speech, a little speech, how they should prepare themselves to die out Kiddush Hashem. And one of the things he said, as you'll see, says, we're also a kapara for the state of Judaism in America. That's how bad it was. This is a kapara. What, the reason we know what that speech was is because one person sad. survived and wrote down the speech. One buffer hid under the steps or something and survived. Everybody was massacred, everybody. And they wrote the speech. In fact, I'll try to put the speech on, on, the, on the chat. Remind me, okay? In any case, look at this story. So um, he went to America to help raise funds for yeshiva, but he did not raise a lot. He returned to Poland, clouded by the darkness of war, to be with his students for the ensuing nightmare. The Nazis later murdered him together with his students. Okay. When he was in the United States, he was accompanied by young, enthusiastic students, my father among them, who felt, I forgot who I got this, I got this off the web somewhere, who felt privileged to help the great sage in his effort. Once a student brought him to visit a wealthy man who had a philanthropic reputation, the Bakr was confident that the meeting would prove successful. Unfortunately, the expectations proved fruitless and Ravalchanan and the student were shown to the door empty-handed. The young man left the house, sat down on the steps of the mansion, utterly dejected. Ravalchanan, who was quite tall, bent down to him and said, why are you so upset? He said softly, upset? Why should I be upset? The man has the ability to support your whole yeshiva for a year and he sent us away as if he doesn't have the ability to give a dime. Now look what Ravalchanan said. The Torah tells us that Moshe was told to choose Betzalel to build the Mishkan. Let us assume that Moshe went in the street and asked where he could find Betzalel. Moshe was told that Betzalel could be found in the base Medrash. He went to the base Medrash and asked someone, are you Betzalel? The man said, no. Should Moshe have been upset? Of course not. It's not the man's fault he's not Betzalel, okay? He was not born Betzalel and his job is obviously not to be Betzalel. Moshe went to another man, are you Betzalel? Again, the man said, no. Surely Moshe had, should have been angry with him. Again, of course not. So Rebbe Khanna said, you can't be upset with him. He's just not the man that was chosen to help. In other words, when a person doesn't have it within themselves to rise up to a certain level, it means because they don't have it within themselves to rise up to a certain level. We're going to destroy ourselves because someone else needs to work on themselves. Seriously. If you think about it like that, we're getting upset because someone else has not yet fully evolved in a certain area that we might be more developed in. And then it's just foolish. So looking, searching for context, okay? How does that work in practicality? It's really the way we manage our tendency to make assumptions and to have unrealistic expectations, okay? First of all, as we said, we're very, when we get into assumptions and expectations about how other people should have evolved up by this point and therefore how they should treat me and how they should behave and what I should be able to expect from them. We're, again, we are trampling on extremely sacred ground of a person's inner world, which we have no real insight to, okay? 
We do really not know what their stresses are. We do not know what their coping mechanisms are. We don't know what they're terrified about, what their nightmares are. We don't know what their hopes are, what their dashed dreams are. We don't know anything. And the only way we'll know anything is if someone feels safe enough and loved enough to tell us. And even then, many people don't like to reveal what's going on inside themselves. So let's just assume we have no clue about other people. We just know a little bit of the surface. That's it. So that number one, we are already approaching very sacred ground, getting into what we think other people should be like. Okay. So when Hashem tells Shmuel, go hit. That's the exact, okay, that's a great, thank you, Bubby Sanders. <coughs> my grandfather speaks about this. My father speaks about this. This is so important. Kadosh this was a lesson forever. Shmuel was a Navi. What is a Navi? A Navi is a person who has, the, has worked on their midos so to such a level of perfection and has cleared their head from all what's, uh, to the point that only thing they know and they think about is called deyot and echono, truths, real truths. And that shefa flow is so open. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu allows them at certain points after a lot of preparation and certain situations to receive ideas that are brand new to them, uh, to receive understandings that are brand new to them. That is another. They receive from Hashem's shefa. Does that mean that they can see into another person's soul? No way. It's very different. Hashem gives you a message that you could read another person. So Hashem sent Shmuel to go pick one of the sons of Yishai. You know the story. And he sees the oldest and he was fabulous. He was good looking and tall and confident and impressive and brilliant. He was, he was, yeah. And he says, this must be the one. He's very, right? What does Hashem say? Why? What does Hashem say there? What does Hashem say to Shmuel? Adam Yerolei And people, you only see with your eyes, Hashem sees the inside. Do not, if you're a Navi and you cannot see inside another person, okay, call the Homer, anyone who's lower than a Navi, <laughs> nobody can look into your soul. There are people that are emotionally intelligent. Yes, there are people that are psychologically brilliant. True. There are certain things, facial expressions and body language that people can read. True. There are people that are better at getting a feel for other people than others. Yes. But can anyone fully know another person? Of course not. By the way, we don't know ourselves at all. We don't even know what lies in the recesses of our subconscious and our and all those capacities that we haven't been asked to draw upon and recruit. We don't know, right? So first of all, beware of assumptions. So what does one do when they're in a situation where they expected something or they made an assumption, but they know that they have no right to do that. And if they pronounce their assumption, they're gonna get it over the head, okay? So very simple, ask questions. <coughs> ask us if you're allowed to ask a question, don't make an assumption, ask a question. You know, hey, I thought you'd be going to with me here. You know, I see you don't, you're, you're not ready is, is you know, something that you need to do something did you change your mind like guess the question okay which eliminates the person having to justify themselves after we assume that it was something else no it's not what happened it was that wasn't that i forgot it was that i was tired or whatever right okay so first of all, we ask questions yes, it's like to mirror to shmuel's story his mother was judged as being drunk 
Oh, very nice. Very nice. That's right. Very nice. I like that. Bobby Sandy said that Hannah was misjudged as she was drunk and Shmuel misjudged. Uh, yeah, very interesting. And both were, were, and the lesson is you don't really know. So first of all, be interesting careful. enough, David was also considered, he was a redhead, so that was a strike against him, but he's described he's as Yaffe and Naim. <laughs> Yaffe and Naim, he had, a, he had beautiful eyes. Yeah. Okay, so be curious about a person. Don't be frustrated, be curious. Don't, huh? Yeah, she said David's Mashiach. Yes, that's right. And that David's Mashiach, misjudge people misjudged people okay so be curious about a person don't be frustrated okay be curious often when we're curious and a person actually thinks we care then we'll find out all sorts of interesting things that we didn't know we work we work within reality when we are curious about a person we try to, to the best of our ability you know uh, assume the best about what's going on and and um, not make judgments right and try to work within the reality. If a person hears the reality, if a person failed in some area, it means that at that time or in general, they don't have the infrastructure, the kalim for to have done better. That's what it means. People generally don't make choices. I will now fail. I will now do something and make everybody angry. I will now, now, <laughs> yeah. Correct. Absolutely. Oh, of course. Surround, of course. And also, by the way, that's a whole other thing. Don't be, you know, be very careful not to cater to the whims of someone who will just get himself and you into trouble. I mean, there's a lot of guidelines, but we're focusing specifically on how to avoid the pitfall. Okay of de devaluing another human being by assuming we understand and then assuming the worst, okay? But Esther, if you devalue, you should never devalue anybody else and you shouldn't devalue yourself either. Of course not. Um, so I just think that people who hate themselves hate other Correct. people. Correct. By the way, very good point and um, about that, a very good point. When we make assumptions about others and then they, in, to us, they come up short our expectations. What about what we do to ourselves? <clears throat> what about we do? That? We have voices in our heads, many people that constantly tell themselves, make assumptions about, about this. You should have been better. You should have, you know, um, you know, you know, um, you're not good enough. You know, nobody, uh, you make a mistake about everything. You're stupid. Nobody cares about you. We, there are people have to tell themselves these horrible things, obviously. And that's also making unfair assumptions about their own value. That's very, very true. Um, Esther, can I say something? What? Oh, I just wanted to quickly add if that's okay. Um, I follow Dr. Ross Green. I don't know if anyone else does in terms of plan B parenting. He wrote the book, The Explosive Child. And it's the same exact model, it's a beautiful way of par parenting where the first step in any interaction with your child is empathy and knowing and really having this mantra that all children do well when they can. So when your child is 
when your two-year-old is screaming and kicking on the floor during dinner time, when your teenager is acting obnoxious, like in all those awful, awful situations where you may think, I, my child, when you, when you look at it and say, there's something missing, there, they have a lagging skill, and it's my job as the mother to help them problem solve and figure out how to be better. Right. So we present alternatives. Exactly. Look at it. Exactly. Thank you. Presenting alternatives. You know, we have a job, a role called chinuch. And that, the chinuch doesn't mean um, downloading information. Chinuch means giving the person the skills so that they can figure out how to negotiate every challenge in life. And these are part of the skills. A chinuch hamizbeach means that you make the mizbeach ready to be used. That's what a chanukah is. So giving a person the skills, and it doesn't mean you don't be of the person. And also in terms of having compassion for other people, that is absolutely true, but we're emphasizing something else now a little bit. It's for sure we have to be compassionate, but the only way you get compassionate is you, this is Gavura, which we're talking about in the sphere, say, no, limit yourself. I don't know the other person. I have no right to make an assumption. I have no right to make a pronouncement. I have no right to have certain unrealistic expectations. I have to say, limit myself and my assumption that I know what's going on and that I have a right to make, you know, to, to uh, assume certain things. It's really humility, as a, which is the opposite of anger. It's self-censorship, which is the opposite of arrogance, right? It's saying, who, who do I even know? I'm trying my best with me and I'm barely getting by. So Kalva Homer, right? what am I expecting from other people? So so what does it come to? It means like we're all in this together. We're all trying to put together all our co-hosts, come to terms with our strengths and our weaknesses, do the best we can with what we have and, um, and be the kind of person that people actually like and are admire. That's what we all want to be. So here's, let's just talk about this year's hold. Today is code interference. Okay. Again, we'll go deeper into these meetups in our Monday series. But um, hode is, again, pretty easy to understand because the word speaks for itself. Hode is modim, you bow, which means you acquiesce, you accept, that's humility, that's bowing to something bigger than you. It's also toda, it's also gratitude, meaning it's a sense of strength and a sense of being centered and being in control, grateful that I can... Um, approach life with a sense of humility and understanding that I must bow to the realities out there, which I did not create and I do not control and I probably don't even understand, okay? So I'm happy with that. I like the fact it's liberating that I can relieve myself of the burden of judging everybody all the time on my, on the, according to my standards. And I could just say, I'm part of a much, I bow to the truth. There's a bigger world out here that everybody's a whole universe. And it's not my job to worry if they're all gonna end up perfect. I just have to give them the Kalim that, that I can, that I have within me to share with them, my life experience, my wisdom, whatever I've accumulated and whatever I have as a bit of a device or a vessel that I can help them by sharing with them, that's what I can do. And then it's their job to do the best they can with who they are and it's not my job. Nobody's, nobody's responsible for another person's development. Um, you don't want to sabotage it, but okay, so that's first of all, hode. Hode is liberating. I accept and I'm grateful for the fact that there's a much bigger reality and I have one tiny part in it 
and so does everybody else. And um, let's see how we can all empower each other. And now Teferis is a is much more is is a is a more so powerful concept. And we're going to spend some time on it. It's it's not just the balance of self-expression and restraint, Chesed and Gabura. It's really the balance of all the character traits. So we haven't talked about all of them, so it's hard to really understand Teferis. But it really is the crown pair. It's the balance. It's the balance of uh, that is required for uh, of a few fundamental forces within us, which are how much I, again, how much I express myself, how much I um, let my own individuality kind of like overflow into the world, how much I hold back because other people are also people and also have their, their need their space and need to be allowed to thrive on their terms without me imposing myself on them and drowning them out with my assumptions. Need that, the balance between the two is to Ferris and the emphasis, I mean, the balance between all, everything is, but just for that now. And uh, and the emphasis today is on the Hoda'a, which is what we're talking about. Hoda'a is acknowledging with gratitude that, you know what, is bigger than me. And it's, um, and um, and knowing that alone really is, is freeing, very, very freeing for us. Everybody else is way bigger than I could possibly understand. I can't even understand the recesses of my own um, design, which is shrouded in mystery. We use it. What percent of our brains do we even use? I don't know, 4%. How much of everything out there is filtered out of our brains, like 98%? Okay. Um, we work with this tiny little realm of what we can focus on and what we can, you know, keep in, you know, work with in our lives. That's it. Everybody's the same like that. I just it, had an idea. Yes, dear. Hoda. So when I say she's talking about Hoda. Yeah. When I say thank you to somebody else, I'm acknowledging that I don't have everything, and that person fills something in me yes. that I don't have. Yes. So that's humility. Of course, very nicely. Everybody else plays a role. Everybody contributes together. Instead of viewing everybody as a threat to us, which is survivor mode, creator mode is, we all have something to offer. I need to give the person a sense of peace and security and calm that they can thrive and that whatever positive resources they have, they can, they can contribute because nobody does well when they're being scrutinized and shrunk down and, 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 and minimized, nobody does well. So, um, <clears throat> so creating an environment where people feel, there's a big word today, safe. Okay, even if they're not perfect, that they can easily say, I'm sorry, because it's not the biggest crime on earth to say, oh, I made a mistake, I'm sorry. And remember this last idea, which we introduced on Monday. By the way, for those of you who want to follow the Spheres of Omer series, there's a five-part series. We did part one. It is not posted on Torah anytime. You can reach out to me for the recording to join the group where the recordings will be posted. But we started out by teaching this message, and where this will end. Medrash Rabbah in Bereshis tells us that regarding Hashem, looking at the world we created, and, and, and then, you know, the refrain that is repeated often in Parakal from Bereshis, Be'alukim Kitov, Hashem saw his tov. So the Medrash says, before Hashem created the world, Hashem created and destroyed many, many worlds. Okay. So obviously Hashem's not making mistakes. It's not trial and error. Okay. But the real question here is also, why do we need to know that? Like, okay, whatever happened before Hashem created the world, why do we need to know? We just need to know the world we're in. And the answer is, of course, we need to know it because what the Torah is teaching us, the Medrash is saying is, and when we, in our journey of developing ourselves, of building ourselves, 
we must destroy many, many versions of ourselves along the way. Every time we achieve a certain breakthrough, okay, today's breakthrough is tomorrow's stepping stone. Okay, the level we reach today, today's surah is tomorrow's homer. The level of self-development and character and in awareness and in the flow of Shefa that we achieve today simply is the founding, the step one of tomorrow. We build upon that. So we're always going backwards and we're building on what was there. And we're now that sometimes we are undoing. Yes, of course we do. We have to break or destroy some of our preconceptions, our attitudes, our, our habits in order to build upon them. That is the way it works. So why do we make it such a crime for people not to be perfect when they're 20, when Hashem himself created and destroyed thousands of worlds before this one, and then finally said, oh, this is told. Okay. How about we apply that to the state of Israel? It's not, oh, it's not, cool. it's yeah. not happenstance that it's in Hod and Tiferet. I like right. that. I like that. Yes, I meant to talk about that. Eretz Yisrael in everything again is context. There, Yomas, what we have Eretz Yisrael today. There's a whole range of opinions. What about the problems? It's not all Pitora. What about the problems? This and that. Again, context. You're talking about a country <laughs> built by people who are shattered spiritually by the Gullahs, who could not find it within themselves to but they did, they sacrificed their lives for the Jewish people. Were great mistakes made? Of course. Were great, enormous gifts given to us and tremendous contributions? Yeah. We have a country that is Torah is flourishing. It's not perfect. But again, context. Okay. People. And it's also the context of ER, Hashem Rafecha. This is part of the healing process. Talk about. Much of it, but here's the last thing I just want to end with. When we, the only person we have a right to assess and judge really is ourselves. The word lehit palel really means to judge yourself every day and to say, am I breaking my habits or I'm just weird into my bad habits? Come on, is it time to take the next step forward? Can I be better than I am today? Etc. That we have a responsibility and um, wishing everyone, including myself, lots of hatzlacha in that worthy endeavor <laughs> okay everyone thank you thank you Var, if anybody's around on sunday i have a question esther i'm not not associated with this so much recording but i'm not okay. ending the, okay. the meeting okay yep